Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page where you do get early access and exclusive content. Link will be down in the show notes. So I have now made it through seven rounds of Democrat debate out of 12. Yes, we still have more of these. We still have a lot more of these to go. But round seven is now in the books and it was allegedly supposed to be one night, two hours, and it did end up running over time. So anyway, the field on this one was narrowed down quite considerably. Um, We only had six people on stage. Uh, We had Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, and Tom Steyer, which, how is Amy Klobuchar still making these debates? Like, honestly, I... I never hear anybody talk about her. I never, I don't, how? How? How is she making the donor thresholds? How is she making the poll thresholds? Like, I don't know. I'm I'm very, I'm baffled. I'm very confused about this. But there she was once again on stage. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think she's missed a single debate. What? And I mean, Tom Steyer, we know how Tom Steyer's there. He's buying his way in. Anyway, he's there with his plaid tie and he had a funny moment, which wasn't intended to be funny at all, but we'll we'll get there in a second. So anyway, going into this debate, um, obviously after the Soleimani killing and everything that's happened past that, we actually, honest to God, had a 30 minute plus discussion on the topic of foreign slash military policy. Yes, finally, something that has been missing from the past six rounds of Democratic debates is an actual substantial discussion about foreign and military policy, which is something that I have noted has been sorely missing. And it sucks that it took Trump killing Soleimani to get us here, but at least there was an actual conversation. And it started out with going directly to the question of how each candidate would behave if they were commander in chief. And the questions were varied from candidate to candidate, but kind of the overview on this one is, and it was very interesting to hear Bernie answer these questions because Say what you want about Bernie Sanders, and I can think of a dozen reasons to criticize him. Being anti-war has been a consistent stance of his for 30 plus years. You can't really fuck with Bernie on this one. He's been very clear about it. And in his answers, he was very clear about how he would act as commander in chief, that he would not be pursuing any more foreign wars and that he would be for bringing troops home. And this kind of led into a conversation between Biden and Bernie on the Iraq war vote, which famously Bernie did not vote for, Biden did. And so there was a conversation about that. Um, Biden's stance now is obviously he did it, but he regrets it. And so there was a little bit of a back and forth there. So that that was that was interesting. And 
I mean, Biden's stance hasn't really changed all that much. I mean, uh, while he can publicly say he regrets the Iraq war vote, he did vote for it. He did support the war, even after the point of kind of finding out like, um, okay, this is not, this is not going so well. This is not really going according to plan. So that was an interesting exchange between those two men who obviously at the time of the vote and past then have been on the opposite sides of that particular conversation. So that was interesting. Um, When it was kicked over to Pete Buttigieg, I feel like his answer was a very, very, very good one because obviously as the only person on that stage who had actively served, his perspective is a bit different than everyone else's. And while he did also say, obviously, he would exercise all due caution and all due restraint, he, to me, took a moment to point out something that I think kind of gets lost in the weeds for a lot of people who are at least people who view this as more of an academic discussion. And he told the story about walking with somebody who was getting ready to deploy and his his young son was following behind him and he was telling the story about how it took everything that this dude had to not turn around and go pick up his son and to stay home and to stay with him. And it's, it's illustrative of kind of when you have these discussions that it can get very esoteric and nerdy and in the weeds, but that there is a human toll here and that when you're sending troops off on deployment, you're separating them from their families. Like these are people. These are these are real people who you're sending off to God knows where to do God knows what. And there is there is that element and that 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 is something that you need to think about as commander in chief when you send troops off for deployment. That there's there's a real human cost here. And even if that person comes back alive, hopefully, that's always the prayer, there's still that time that they're never going to get back. Like, you're never going to get that time back with your son. Like, it's just, there. It, it was just a very, very human conversation to bring up in that moment. And I really appreciated Mayor Pete kind of going out of his way to tell that side of the story. And he did also reiterate that if he was commander-in-chief or if president, that he would definitely, definitely, definitely push for three-year sunsets on AUMFs and any kind of authorized use of military force, which obviously is something that is a huge, huge deal, is a conversation that we really need to be having right now, especially in the wake of Soleimani and the fact that it seems like the justification for why this was legally possible for Trump to do is the 2002 AUMF that authorizes us to engage in any kind of terrorist activity in Iraq, which that is a massive, massive stretch of the AUMF, but it's a stretch that's being made. It's an AUMF that shouldn't even be anymore. I mean, come on now. It's 2020. Like what, what, what? So I really applaud Mayor Pete's stance here. I like Mayor Pete. And I'm still going to call him Mayor Pete, even though he's technically not a, not a mayor anymore. Um, 
new mayor of South Bend was sworn in a couple of weeks ago, like a week ago, maybe. Anyway, he's not technically a mayor anymore, but he's still going to be Mayor Pete to me. So as far as the actual answering of the question of do you support a troop withdrawal out of the Middle East or even specifically Afghanistan, um, Elizabeth Warren went on record as supporting a full pullout. So does Bernie. Obviously, he's been very clear about that. Um, Joe Biden does not, obviously. Neither does Amy Klobuchar. And the justifications are, yeah, I mean, if you've spent any time talking to anybody who questions troop pullout of the Middle East, of any of Iraq, out of Afghanistan, out of Syria, out of anywhere, you're going to hear the same responses that, well, we have these troops on the ground and they're providing logistics and support and we need them there in case XYZ person, group, whatever, decides that they want to ramp back up again. Basically, it's just uh, all of it boils down to we need to keep troops here for forever and ever and ever in case something happens, which is a bullshit excuse. I mean, you have to at some point stop like it has to stop at some point. And so I was kind of surprised that Warren came out for a full troop withdrawal. I was kind of surprised that Klobuchar didn't. I, I don't know. I don't know much about Amy Klobuchar. Like I said, I don't know how she's still here. I never hear anybody talk about this woman. Like I'm, I'm baffled. But anyway, the question was also put to all the candidates of, would you take military action without approval from Congress? And to varying different degrees, the answer from all of them was no, we would not. And I mean, obviously there is wiggle room for a president to address an actual eminent threat. I say actual eminent threat because that's kind of gone a little sideways lately, but they all did say that they would go seek approval from Congress if they were going to go to actual war with somebody, which, I mean, that's that that's such a murky topic now because what, what does that look like? What, what, the, the way war is going to look like now and going forward into the future is not anything that's looked like in the past. So I feel like there needs to be a discussion there about what, what does going to war look like in 2020 and going forward, especially given the kinds of technology we have, the kind of intelligence we have, the kind of the ways that we don't necessarily have to put a whole bunch of boots on the ground somewhere in order to go to war with someone. Like, I feel like that's a conversation that really needs to be had. Anyway, was not had in this debate, so we'll leave off on that. But the the last kind of foreign policy question that was asked was that would any of you meet with North Korea with no preconditions? And of course, the answer from everybody was a flat no. They would not meet with North Korea with no preconditions whatsoever, with varying critiques of Trump's policy of meeting with North Korea without preconditions. But I just felt like it was interesting that it was asked. And I was just really happy to finally see a foreign policy discussion and a military policy discussion because the Democratic debates so far have been very domestic policy heavy. And while, yes, that's important too, and I do very much care about domestic policy, 
to not discuss foreign policy is a bit ridiculous, especially given that we live in the world we live in right now and that there are so many various sorts of conflicts and situations out there that it, I, I'm, I'm baffled that it took this long to have this conversation in a democratic debate. But hey, we're here now. The conversation was had. I'm I'm happy that we at least got that out of that. So anyway, moving on to kind of what ended up being the highlight of the night. And that was the Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren showdown, which if you don't know how this kind of started, let me back up and give you the context of this. Roughly 24 hours-ish before the debate, um, Team Warren had leaked to the press that apparently in 2018, um, Elizabeth and Bernie had a conversation in which allegedly, per Team Warren, Bernie Sanders said that a woman cannot be elected president. That's how they put it out there. That's how they framed it. What was actually said in this conversation, we don't know. We will probably never know. But that's the framing that they put out there. Like I said, roughly 24 hours before this debate that Bernie Sanders said that a woman cannot be elected president. So obviously everybody knew going into the debate that this was going to come up and it did. Um, I forget who exactly asked Bernie, but they asked him point blank if he ever said that. And Bernie launched into a very impassioned defense of himself, which if you were somebody who was accused of saying something like that and you you admit that you did not say that, and that is Bernie's stance, not that what I said could have been misconstrued, not, not that I said it, none of that. He point blank said, I never said anything like that. I would never say anything like that. Who in a million years would ever say something like that? He was incredibly emphatic that that never happened. Those words never came out of his mouth. The pivot to Warren was from the moderator. When you heard Bernie Sanders say that, how did you feel? That is shady as fuck. Mm-mm-mm. So basically, and this was a CNN hosted debate. So this was basically CNN taking the side of Elizabeth Warren over Bernie Sanders right after the man stood there and point blank said, I did not say that. I do not think that. I would never in a million years say that. And then they just pivoted right to her and basically acted like that didn't happen. What the fuck? Oh my God. That was the absolute freak out meltdown moment from the the debate. Was that, that pivot, that pivot was like, oh, okay. So, so Liz, when Bernie said that to you, how did it make you feel? The internet lost its shit. They straight up lost its shit. And the internet is still losing its shit right now because now this has become Not that there wasn't already friction between Team Warren and Team Bernie online. This blew it up. Like, at this point, you are never going to get a Bernie supporter to back Elizabeth Warren. Never. 
that's done. And there has been this whole campaign online, which I will admit I took part in because I kind of agree, of labeling Elizabeth Warren as a snake. You know, kind of like after the, the Taylor Swift, Kim Kardashian, Kanye West thing, everyone called her a snake. Yeah, Elizabeth Warren's a snake. And what happened after that? So that conversation happened. They let her try to pivot off of the conversation to, I forget what the fuck ever she decided to talk about, but they let her pivot away from it. And then after the debate, like right after, you know, the part where everybody kind of goes around, shakes hands, glad handles, blah, 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 blah. Elizabeth Warren walks up to Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders has his hand outstretched like he's going to do the handshake, you know, like you do. She refuses the handshake. And at first, the first clip that we saw was without sound. And so all we had was kind of like facial expressions and hand motions. And a lot of people were trying to extrapolate who said what on the basis of these hand gestures. But then the clip came out with audio on top. She walked up to him post-debate, like right after, and she said, did, did you just accuse me of lying on national television? Because it sounds like you just accused me of lying on national television. And Bernie Sanders is basically backing off saying like, listen, I don't want to have this conversation right now. We can have it later. We can have it some other time, but I'm not doing this right now. And so he backs off, he backs away, and awkwardly enough... Tom Steyer is standing there while this conversation is taking place, just kind of like being there. Because, I mean, what? <laughs> I kind of feel bad for Steyer because what do you do in that situation? Like, like you were just over there. Like, I w I'm assuming you was going over there to, like, shake Bernie's hand. And now you're just, like, there and these people are having this argument. And you're just like, um... What do I do with myself and my body and my facial expressions right now? Because this is hella awkward. What do I do with me in my weird plaid tie? And so when you watch it, like, Steyer's just kind of standing there like, do, 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 do. I don't really know what to do right now. And these people are arguing and everybody's staring at us now. But yeah. Anyway, back to Liz. Yeah, that was some shady shit to do. You tried to start an argument with somebody when you knew those cameras were still on and you knew those mics were still hot. You tried to draw him into an argument in that moment. You knew She knew what the fuck she was doing, people. That's snaky. That's fucked up. Like, no. I mean, just and, and just the reactions to this online from Team Warren. Holy shit. Like, I, oh, wow, 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 wow. Basically accusing, just accepting what she said at face value. No critical discussion. No, no nothing. No, no thought process going through these people's head. Just automatically believing that this conversation took place exactly the way she said it did. Ignoring the fact that Bernie has been on record, I mean, I think I saw a clip from like 1980 saying that, uh, where he was saying, of course, a woman can be elected president. Like, that's, of course. And, I mean, just ignoring that everything that Bernie Sanders has ever done 
I was just like, oh my God, y'all have lost your damn minds. And for what it's worth, I believe Bernie. I mean, if, if anything, if anything, maybe a conversation took place between him and Warren where he, maybe he said, I don't think a woman could be elected in this election cycle. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what was said, but I would be pretty sure that Bernie Sanders did not utter the phrase, a woman cannot be elected president. Because he has never exhibited any tendency of thinking like that whatsoever. In fact, even after he got shafted by the DNC in order to put Hillary in in 2016, he still sucked it up and went and campaigned for her. Even after all of the shit that they did to him, he still went and campaigned for her. And he could have not. He could have just sat his ass at home and been like, you know what? Fuck all y'all. I just, I, they, (laughs) they doing Bernie real dirty right now. Like that, that was some dirty shit. And, um, (laughs) and, and, and the amount of people that want to sit there and be like, well, why would Elizabeth Warren lie? Like, are you fucking kidding me? Why would Elizabeth Warren lie or at best embellish the truth to fit a certain narrative that benefits her? Are you stupid? Have you not been paying attention? Who Lord. Yeah, that was. <laughs> oh, my God. That is just. Yeah, the progressive movement, they going through some things right now. But anyway, moving back to the debate. From there, we went to healthcare. I swear to God, if another moderator brings up healthcare in a Democratic debate, I am going to personally find them. This conversation has been had so many times already in prior debates, I don't even understand why it's being brought up anymore. Stop bringing up healthcare. We all already know what each candidate's stance is on healthcare. It hasn't changed. We are so fucking sick of hearing about Medicare for all and, and whether there's going to be private insurance or not private insurance. There's, there's so many other things, so many other things that still need to be discussed. Stop bringing up healthcare. Stop it. I do not want to hear another word about healthcare in any democratic debate. I know I probably will, but I, at least that gives me a chance to like break away and go refresh my drink because I know I'm not going to hear anything new. I can skip that part and you can too. So I'm just like, no, it brought up healthcare and I'm just like, damn it. No, 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 no. Anyway, we moved on from healthcare where nothing new was said to the topic of trade, which is again, another topic that has not come up very much prior in previous democratic debates and is one that is, I mean, that's an important topic. Right up there with foreign policy and military policy, let's discuss trade policy. I mean, this is this is stuff that is starting to be a little more substantive and a little more cerebral, for lack of a better word, but but topics that kind of force candidates to give more concrete answers than just kind of like throwing out crazy healthcare plan things that you can't explain how exactly they get funded or how exactly they're going to work, but they sound good in theory. Trade is one of those things where you kind of have to be pretty damn concrete in what you're saying. So 
this came up in light of USMCA being signed. And so we had this conversation. Um, yeah, pretty much everybody on that stage, except for Pete Buttigieg, sucks on trade, which is not surprising, kind of. I mean, I swear to God, economic nationalism just gets on my last damn nerve. But we we did kind of have a conversation with Bernie, and he obviously does not support USMCA, which, if you don't know, USMCA is the United States... Mexico-Canada agreement, which is supposed to be the replacement for NAFTA, which is the North American Free Trade Agreement. And (laughs) another topic for another day of kind of delving into USMCA, but it's not all that substantially different from NAFTA, which Trump had run against. But now we have USMCA and it's not all that different. Anyway, Bernie does not support USMCA because Bernie much like Trump, is an economic nationalist. He views these sorts of trade agreements the way Trump does, in that when you have these sorts of trade agreements, that all of a sudden you're losing jobs, you're losing you're you're losing just income, you're losing GDP to these other countries. Instead of looking at it as a positive thing where yes, you're 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 redistributing who makes what where, but then again, you're also freeing up people to kind of not have to work lower skilled jobs. If Like American workers not really having to work these low skilled jobs anymore because they're either being automated out or they're going to other countries. But obviously people like Bernie and Trump look at this as we're losing American jobs. It's like, okay, well, what are you gaining? And, and nobody ever looks at that side of it. So Economic nationalism, I don't think, is going away anytime soon, no matter who our president is in 2021. Sadly, the globalist in me hates this. And I just, I I don't know. It's just, it's one of those, and it's also, it's, it's economic nationalism also leads into kind of like the populism thing. And where you can make these arguments that sound very good to people who don't really spend a lot of time thinking about this kind of stuff. So it just, it it sounds good. It's the old, we're bringing back the jobs, which no president has the power to bring back the jobs. That's not the job of the president. So yeah, but it sounds good. And it sounds nice to say when you're running for president, especially when you're talking to coal workers or steel workers or other kind of depressed industries where you say, yeah, we're going to bring back the jobs. And everyone's like, yeah, he's going to bring back the jobs and then we're going to vote for them and then the jobs don't come back. And I'm just wondering how many times do you have to have politicians lie to you before you wise up? Anyway, um, another thing that kind of came out of the trade deal discussion was this this kind of tying of trade deals to climate change and that somehow now we can't have trade deals that don't address climate change, which those are two separate issues. And I'm, I'm, when did we start conflating the two? Like what? No, trade deals shouldn't have anything to do with climate change. Trade deals are trade deals. Climate change is climate change. Two separate arguments, two separate discussions should be two entirely separate sets of laws. 
but I, I guess now we have to shoehorn climate change into everything, including trade deals, which does not bode well for the for the future of trade deals. Oh. This is so hard for us free traders. I hate it. Hate it, hate it, hate it. And I will continue to hate it because I know it's not going to get any better no matter who our next president is, which makes me sad. Except for maybe if Pete becomes president, which is highly, highly, highly unlikely. But hey, maybe President Pete wouldn't have a shitty trade policy. I mean, hey, we... Listen, if people get to support Tulsi for being anti-war, then I can support Mayor Pete for not having garbage trade policies and for, generally speaking, not having completely garbage domestic policies. If y'all get to be single voters, like, I get to be him too. So, anyway, moving on to another thing that has not been mentioned, not, not only in Democratic debates, but just in general. For like ages, unless you're a libertarian and we don't shut up about this. But the deficit, the D word, it was uttered several times. It was actually discussed. Both Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar actually addressed the deficit. And I was just like, what? Wait, what year is it again? Wait, are, are we, we talk about the deficit again now? Is, is it 2008? Did, did we go in the time warp? But yes, there was actually substantive, somewhat discussion about reducing the deficit. Yeah. <laughs> this debate was interesting. It went some weird places. It went some places I did not expect it to go. But of course, Elizabeth Warren with... My God. Um, her claim... <laughs> Because apparently there's nothing, nothing that an Elizabeth Warren plant can't do. Apparently her claim is that her plans for wealth tax, for health care, for all the other random shit that she's proposed would bring down the national debt. I don't see it. But then again, the math on Elizabeth's plans are always a little sketchy and usually wrong. Like, really fucking wrong. But she threw that out there. And I was just like, no. You know what, Liz? You probably just need to, you just need to shut up. But there, there was that. But the overall arching, sadly, theme of the last debate was government for all of the things. Government for healthcare. Government for subsidized childcare. Government for manufacturing drugs. Government for all of the things. The answer to everything for these people is more government, which makes me want to shoot all of them into the sun, although I would shoot Mayor Pete last. It's just the explicit love of government and especially big government. And at one point you had Amy Klobuchar listing all of the various things that a president could do without congressional approval. And I'm just like, oh my God, kill me now. All of you people suck. But it's just, it's... And, and the sad thing is, is there's really no counterpart on the right because they think government can do all the things now too. 
And so now those of us who don't want government to do any of the things are kind of fucked. Because we really don't have any allies on either side anymore. And that's a little frightening. That does not make me happy. No, that makes me scared. I don't like it. But that pretty much wraps up the debate itself. Now, as I do, I pick my winners and losers. So winners of the debate, honestly, and this is probably come as no surprise to anybody, but I think the big winner here was still Pete Buttigieg. If for nothing else, then God bless him for being the only person on that stage that can just answer a question straight without trying to bring it back around to some kind of pet cause or their signature sort of stance or their signature plan. Just answer the fucking question. He's the only person that can just answer the fucking question without making it about somebody else or about some other policy that he wants to promote. And I'm just like, you know what? It's nice. It's nice to just have somebody answer the damn question. And so I think Mayor Pete came off well. I mean, he usually does. And he is getting more time because obviously he's making these debates where there's less people. And I said, he he fills that kind of Barack Obama lane, that very youngish, very kind of earnest, sincere, sort of very serious gravitas sort of thing that he's got going on. Like, he kind of fills that Barack Obama space, and I I don't think he's going to take off quite the way Barack Obama did. Not this go-around. But I think he's got a future. I I think that there is a bright future there for him. So, my other winner for the debate, and I'm not even going to attempt to say her last name, but Brienne from the Des Moines Register, the, the, the third moderator. We had Wolf Blitzer and Amy Phillips, and... Brienne, I'm I'm not even gonna butcher her last name, y'all. There's there's P's and F's and N's and I'm no, I I I'm not your girl for that. But I want her, with her resting bitch face and her resting bitch voice, to be the moderator for every single Democratic debate and general general debate going forward. I loved her. I loved her bitchiness. It was so great. It's like. It's it go go look at clips like it was just so fantastic because she just bless her heart. <laughs> it was just her delivery and her face. It was just so amazing, and I feel like I feel like we were finally represented at the moderators' table. And by we, I mean those of us who watch this shit. There's finally one of us up there who was just like, you know what, you're full of shit. And now I'm going to start calling you out on it. But her, her, I love her. And we need more of her. So anyway, moving on to the losers of the debate. To me, the obvious big loser of the debate was Elizabeth Warren. I mean, even more so, I mean, people have talked about Joe Biden and his stumblings and his his stuff. Like Joe Biden is Joe Biden. Like this is I, there's nothing new here. There's nothing new to discuss. Joe, Joe is Joe. Joe has been the person he is. Elizabeth Warren, to me, and this is this is my bold prediction, even though it totally shoots a hole in my predicted Warren Booker ticket. Elizabeth Warren just lost herself the nomination. Like I'm sorry, this whole this whole stunt with trying to portray Bernie as sexist 
in this very ham-fisted, very obvious way of doing it right before a debate and then trying to force an argument after the fact, I'm sorry, no. Mm -mm. And I mean, like I said, there's not a single Bernie supporter alive that's going to vote for this woman now. I mean, this is this goes beyond the Bernie Hillary thing because Hillary never did anything, at least not that I can remember, directly to Bernie like this. It was really the DNC that fucked him over. This was Elizabeth Warren fucking Bernie over. And I don't see this rift ever healing, especially, I mean, even if between Warren and Sanders, if they get over this, okay, that's their business, whatever. Their respective camps, no, this is done. There's there's no alliance that's going to be had at this point. And I mean, I don't see, especially if you're trying to compete in that progressive lane for the do- for the nomination, you cannot lose that faction. You'd have to have them supporting you in order to be able to overtake any centrist or overtake Bernie. And you lost it. It's done. Like, you fucking nuked that. Yeah. I just don't see it happening. And I've not seen a ton of polls come out post-debate yet. But my imagining of this is that Warren is going to start dropping in the polls again. And my prediction was on Twitter, and I'm still kind of waiting to be proven right, is that Warren and Buttigieg will swap places. And that Buttigieg will kind of be that number three, and then Liz is going to drop off to like four or five. So, I mean, this was just, you don't, you don't do that. You don't, like this, it's, if you're going to do something like that, you don't do it this blatantly. I mean, it's just, oh my God, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. Who, who the fuck thought this was a good idea? Who in her camp thought this was a good idea? Like, that's like, yep, let's go ahead and leak to the press this unsubstantiated story that this one time in a private conversation, Bernie told Liz that a woman can't be elected president. Who thought that was a good tactic? That person needs to be fired because that's a shitty tactic. It's shitty on every level. And it's backfiring horribly. Uh, anyway, I don't... Yeah. I I think this might be the thing that actually does sink the Elizabeth Warren candidacy. But the other big loser was CNN. Because they hosted this debate. They put two of the three moderators up on that table. And... I'm sorry. I mean, and and I've pointed this out ever since my first recap of the very first night of the first Democratic debate. Elizabeth Warren is the media favorite. She is the media darling. She is running because the media wanted her to. They've propped her up. They're the only reason she is pulling as well as she did. And I have been following this long enough to remember when her polling numbers started dropping the first time, and then all of the sudden, she's getting all of the speaking time at the debates, she's getting all of this coverage, and then her poll numbers rose. Like, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. That is the media's candidate. And uh, that that pivot, that pivot from Bernie point blank saying that he did not say that, to looking at Liz and saying, well, when Bernie said that to you, how did it make you feel? Uh, no, there's no denying it at that point. That's you. You just gave up the game. Like <laughs> there's, there's no 
no denying that at that point. And so, yeah, good job, CNN. <laughs> Mask then fell off. Not that it was really on for me, but for anybody who thought that there was any kind of objectivity in relationship to Elizabeth Warren and the media, now you know. It's not just me being crazy. It, it's, it's fact now. It is a verifiable fact. So, yeah. That pretty much sums up the debate. Round seven. <laughs> Next month, in February, we have three debates. Yeah, you heard me right. Three debates. In the shortest month of the year, there will be three Democratic debates. What the fuck they're going to talk about for three debates in the span of 29 days? I don't know. I, 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 who made this schedule? Who made this schedule? This is freaking ridiculous. But yeah, we will have three more of these next month. And also a State of the Union address. I already hate February. February is going to suck. February is going to be stupid and dumb. But now you know that. So you can prepare yourself. So at this point, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. If you did make it this far, as always, thank you for listening. And if you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page where you do get early access to content. Thank you. Take care. And until next time.